So the last few months, they've really been a time of transition for the Gates family. Back in November, we transitioned from our church in Wilsonville to be part of the family here at Hillsview. And then we all transitioned from 2021 to 2022. And then just last weekend, our family transitioned from our old house that we were living in into our, our new house. And you know, while transitions, they definitely have a physical aspect to it. I mean, there's, there's no denying. We now live and we go to church in, in different places than we used to. A lot of times, a, a big part of transition is mental. It's in your mind. It's only natural to, to look back and think about what was and then also look forward to think about what, what could be. You know, when we look at the transition to our new house, we look back to when we moved into the old house. Our daughter was in third grade. Kim and I were still in our 30s. During that time in our house, we, we celebrated my daughter going from elementary school to middle school and now into high school. She learned how to drive while we were in that house. I made the decision to, to go into ministry, start college, and graduated college during our time in that house. During that time, we, we lost family members, we lost pets. There are almost nine years of memories, both good and bad, for us to look back on. But at the same time, during this transition, we also look forward to what may be happening at the new house. Well, Sammy will graduate high school in that house. Kim and I will celebrate 20 years of marriage and hopefully many more in that house. There will be lessons learned and there will be memories made. And during this time of transition, we go to God in prayer and we thank him for everything that he's allowed to happen. And we lean on what he's done as we pray for what may happen in the future. So during the past five weeks, we've been kind of journeying through the book of Ephesians. And we're about to ready to hit a transition there as well. You know, we've been studying this letter that Paul wrote, and he's been telling the people of Ephesus, looking at this overall theme of, of why. Why do we worship Jesus? Why do we follow Jesus? And half of Paul's letter, that, that's the focus of why. But then the second half of the letter transitions to how. How do we worship and follow Jesus? So today, we're actually going to hit the halfway point as we finish up chapter 3. So if you have your Bibles with you, go ahead and open them up to Ephesians chapter 3. Uh, if you don't have a Bible and you want to use the few Bibles there in front of you, our passage is on page 1158. And again, as I always say, I've got three or four brand new Bibles. If somebody needs one to take home, more than welcome to it. Not going to charge you for it. Not going to enroll you into some Bible study. Just, I want to put the Word of God in as many people's hands as possible. So we're going to get started today with verse 14. And as we look about, as, we, as we're about to transition from why to how, Paul seems to finish up this part the same way that we finished up our time at the last house, with prayer. He writes, For this reason... 
I kneel before the Father, for whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may, be, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being uprooted and established in, sorry, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now there's a lot in that prayer, but I think it can kind of be broken down into major points. And that first point is to be strengthened. Verse 16, it says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with the power through his spirit in your inner being. So one of the main points that we've talked about over the last five weeks is, is being able to trust God now for what he's done in the past. When we share our struggles and the storms that God has pulled us through, when we share that with others, it strengthens the people that are listening. You know, whenever you scroll through social media, inevitably there'll be some sort of video with people sharing their successes about what they've been able to do. The video will say something like, hey, I lost 100 pounds in the last year. This is how I did it. Or I started a brand new business. This is how. And you know, when people click on those videos because they want to see do your strategies and your plan when you're doing this, will they fit into my life? Will I be able to do what you did. But what if you heard someone say, I finally started to figure out the anxiety I'm dealing with, and it, it still bothers me, but not nearly as much. Or, I don't remember the last time that I worried about money. That's what we do here at church. We share our successes with other people of what God has been able to do with us. I'm sure all of you, or maybe not all of you, but a lot of you have struggled with some sort of anxiety or worry, and you have a story of when you went to God and he helped you in that situation. You know, like we talked about last week, your story has credibility because Jesus is your credibility but your story also has power because Jesus is your power. Now the next point in this prayer is when Paul writes in verse 17, I pray that you being rooted and established in love. Again, that this prayer isn't just for people individually. It's for people corporately as a church. Paul is praying that the church will be rooted and established in love. So tomorrow is Valentine's Day. And people all over the world, they're going to show their love and affection for their special someone with candies and cards and gifts. But if we really wanted to show how much we care for someone, Instead of roses and chocolates, maybe we should love them like Jesus does. With compassion, and patience, and kindness, 
and no hidden agendas. You know, a couple weeks back, we, we talked about how everyone is welcome here at Hillsview. Their backgrounds and political beliefs, they, they won't separate them from being welcome and accepted here at our church. And whenever anybody walks through that door, my goal is that when we're done, they leave here thinking, I have never felt that much love before ever. What a great place. We follow the lead of Jesus, who is the leader of our church. And he said the two most important things that we can do are to love God and love people. So we make that our focus. We reach up to love God, and we reach out to love others. No matter what's going on in our world, love is always the right response. As Paul wrote in his first letter to the Corinthians, love never fails. So the next two verses form the next point in this prayer. Paul continues by saying that he prays that we have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know that this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Paul prays that we can grasp just how much Jesus loves us. You know, I know scripture says that all things are possible through Christ, but what about this one? Is it really possible to grasp just how much Jesus loves us? I mean, we read all through scripture. We, we read about uh, Jesus coming to the lepers, the adulterers, the unclean, the poor, the sick, and everyone in between, and he met them all with love. But what about us? Can we fully understand Jesus' love for us? I mean, even if we just look at the crucifixion, where Jesus was beaten, he was whipped, he was mocked, and then he had metal spikes driven through his wrists and his feet. He allowed all of that to happen. I mean, at any given time, remember that Jesus was fully God. At any given time, he could have called out and thousands of angels would have descended from heaven and wiped out anyone trying to help him or trying to hurt him. But he didn't. He willingly let himself be sacrificed because he loves you. He loves you that much. He willingly let himself be sacrificed to pay for sins that weren't his. You know, I read a story about a girl. She's really sick. A little five-year-old girl, she had this rare disease, and she urgently needed a blood transfusion in order to survive. And her only hope was to get a blood donation from her five-year-old twin brother. Not only because the siblings had the same blood type, but because earlier in the year, he got through the same disease that was now plaguing this little girl. That means that 
he had the antibodies in his blood that would help this little girl survive. So the family and the doctor come to this little boy and they, they ask him, would you be willing to go through this? And initially, he was hesitant. But then the doctor explained that this was the only way for his sister to live. And so he agreed. Now they're getting all set up for the procedure, and they lay the brother and sister almost right next to each other. And the doctor started to be relieved as he saw color come back in the little girl's face. But when the procedure was finished, the little boy got very serious, and he got very quiet. And the doctor came to him to say, hey, you know, are, are you all right? Is everything, do you feel something wrong? What, what's going on? And the little boy looked up and he said, so when am I going to die? This little boy thought that he was trading his life for his sister's, and yet still willingly went through the procedure. That's the kind of love that's pretty difficult to understand. But yet that's the kind of love that Jesus has for each and every one of us. Now, the final part of our passage today, Paul wraps up his prayer as well as the first half of this letter by going back to why. Why do we worship and follow Jesus? He writes, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Immeasurably more than we can ever ask or imagine. That's always been God's MO. I mean, just look at what he's done in scripture. Think about when the Israelites were running from the Egyptians and they found themselves stuck. They were in between the Red Sea and the, Israel, and the Egyptians that were chasing them. Now, sure, God could have just stopped the Egyptians. He could have slowed them down. But God chose to do immeasurably more. He split the Red Sea. And I'm not just talking about, okay, you put a little dam across a river and, and, and they walk through. It's estimated that the Red Sea was about eight to nine miles wide where the Israelites crossed. I want to give you some context to that. Imagine walking out of our church and walking all the way to Fred Meyer and Sandy through walls of water. And the ground wasn't even wet. Ground was perfectly dry as they walked escaping the Egyptians. This amazingly awesome God is the one who caused a lion's mouth to be shut in the lion's den. He gave David the strength and power and strategy to defeat Goliath. And of course, he resurrected his son three days after his son was sacrificed. I'm sure each and every one of you could tell some sort of story about something that God has done in, our, in your life that has just absolutely blown your socks off. That's what God does. 
immeasurably more than we could ever imagine. He's able to take what what seems like a horrible situation, just put a little twist on it, and all of a sudden miracles start happening. You know, I read this story this week. This man, he, uh, he walked out of his front, front door and he looked up in this tree and there's this little kitten that's stuck up in the tree, climbed up there and was too afraid to come down. So the man was trying to coax the kitten down, you know, went into his kitchen, got a little can of tuna, trying to get him down, didn't work. Got a little bell trying to coax the kitten down, that didn't work. Tried a bunch of different things, and the kitten didn't move. So he started thinking, what, what can I do to save this kitten? So the idea that he came up with was he'd get a rope, and he'd tie a little loop, almost like a lasso at the end, and he'd throw it as high as he could up to the tree, and then he'd take the other end of the rope, and he'd tie it to the back bumper of his car and slowly nudge forward because the tree wasn't strong enough for him to climb, but it was pliable. Slowly nudge forward and the tree would bend down so he could just reach up and rescue this little kitten. So that's what he did. He got everything all ready, slowly took his foot off the, off the brake. Tree started to bend and he got out and looked. Yeah, everything's going well. You're not going to believe this. So apparently we had some technical difficulties and my camera cut off right at the end of the sermon. So let me continue on with the story. So the kitten's up in the tree. He's got a rope tied to the tree. It's also tied to his car. He's inching forward. He's just about ready to, to catch this, this kitten. He's about ready to reach up and get it. And he inches forward just a little bit more and the rope breaks. The tree snaps back to its original stature. And unfortunately, the kitten just goes flying through the air out of sight. So, the man, he feels horrible. He, he doesn't know what to do. He's going around to neighbors everywhere, checking to see, you know, have you seen this cat? Have, have, you, seen, have you seen this poor little kitten? And nobody had said that they had. So, the, he, he doesn't know what to do. So, he just, he just prays. He says, Lord, I, I commend this kitten into your keeping. You know, I tried to do a great thing, but it didn't work out, so hopefully you can just make something good come out of this. A few days later, he's at the grocery store, and he runs into a woman from his church. And this woman from church, everybody knows that this woman hates animals, doesn't have any pets, doesn't even like other people's animals in her yard. But the man notices that He's, she's got a bag of cat food in her cart. So they exchange pleasantries, and he asks, he says, Hey, I, I know that you don't like animals, so what's up with, with the cat food? And she says, You're not going to believe this. My daughter has been begging for a cat for the last year. And, you know, I always tell her, No, we're not getting any animals. I don't want any animals in the house. No, no, no. Well, two days ago, she, she's begging for a cat again, and I'm getting frustrated. And so I tell her, you know what? You ask God for a cat, and if he gives you one, I'll let you keep it. And you're not going to believe this. 
I saw this little girl, my little girl, go out in the backyard and get down on her knees and beg God for a cat. And if I wouldn't have seen it with my own eyes, I wouldn't have believed it. But I saw a cat fly out of the clear blue sky and land right in front of her. Now, obviously, this is just a funny story, you know, but but if we if we listen to the stories and, and the testimonies that that people in our church, they, they tell tell about what God has done each and every day. And, you know, we read scripture and we see what God has done all throughout all throughout scripture. You know, those stories. They show us that he God does immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. And, you know, we're strengthened by that. You know, this, this message that, that I gave today, in, in that message, Paul wraps up the just first part of, of the, the letter to the Ephesians. And, you know, he's, he's wrapping up the, this hammering home of this, why? Why do we worship? Why do we follow Jesus? And, you know, we, we can see these points that he's talking about. He's talking about, you know, God chose everyone to be his people. God saved us by grace through the sacrifice of his son, Jesus. And, you know, he, he did all of this through his power. And, and that power that he used to, to do all that is now running through us. And so as we read this, we, we know that, you know, sure, it's, it's important to know how we're going to worship Jesus, but Paul knew that we need to start with why. Because it's that why that's also important, and it makes all the difference in the world. So sorry about the little, the little clip that I had to finish up here at home, but I hope you guys have a great week. I'm so glad that you're watching, and, uh, and hope to see you at church next week. Love you guys.